This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Robin Grosset, CTO at MindBridge AI. The existing ways that people were analyzing or auditing financial transactions were inadequate. So typically they, were, they would use rules-based systems to do that. So with the rules-based system, you're only going to catch something, you're only going to find something that you anticipate. So you have to imagine the circumstance to find the rule and then it will work it will never find anything you don't anticipate. We think it's a significant problem in the world. There's a group called the ACFE, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, and they estimate the amount of fraud, misconduct, irregularities that are caught each year, and they they say that that's about $200 billion a year, but they also estimate the amount we don't find. So these are, they're not detected by any method we have today, And that amount is about somewhere north of $3 trillion per year. So if you put that, just to put that number in perspective, that's about a little under $500 for every person on the planet. This is Robin. He's the CTO of MindBridge AI. He has a track record as an entrepreneur, having worked in and founded successful software startups. This resulted in him joining IBM in 2008 through the acquisition of Cognos, where he was appointed IBM Distinguished Engineer. He has over 20 years of commercial experience in the field of business analytics. He was formerly technical lead and chief architect for Watson Analytics, a groundbreaking cognitive analytics system at IBM. And Robin holds many patents in the area of analytics, data processing, and security. Today, he leads the development of a next-generation AI auditor that helps professionals detect and prevent financial anomalies, including fraud. This triggered me, hence I invited Robin to my podcast. We explore the challenges in the financial auditing practice and how, even after decades of automation, much of the practice is still very manual and sample-based, hence leaving huge opportunities for fraud. Beyond that, we discuss why a human-machine approach will always provide the optimal combination to create exponential impact. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, why human-centric AI is the key to take the impact and insight of virtually any solution to a different level. Secondly, how to overcome inertia for AI-driven innovation, especially in an industry that's skeptical by design. And thirdly, that to truly disrupt an industry, you need to avoid looking at the conventions and existing standards. So Robin, thank you for joining on my podcast and taking the time for this. Before we start, 
Can you give the audience a little bit of background about, you know, what has been your career so far and, and what is your passion? Sure. So, you know, I've, I've trained as a physicist and a, and a software engineer in the UK. And very early on, I got into an area called business intelligence or business analytics. And this, in this kind of field, I got to use kind of my knowledge of software engineering, but also combining it with kind of data science aspects. So looking at business financial data in, in an analytical way in order to provide, provide value. So my background is I, I founded a software company in London in the UK around about 2001, was acquired in 2005 by a Canadian company called Cognos. And that, that caused me to relocate to Canada where their head office was, which is where I still am. I, I was, the original deal was I would be in, in Canada for two years, but I kind of like the skiing here and it's snowing right now. So I stayed. So I've been in, in Canada now for about 11, 12 years, something like that. And I got acquired by IBM because Cognos was acquired by IBM, spent many years working in IBM. And I was a part of the Watson Group in IBM. I was a responsible chief architect for something called Watson Analytics. And a few years ago, I left IBM and joined a startup in Canada called MindBridge. And at MindBridge, we focus on applying artificial intelligence to financial data in order to uncover opportunities, problems, irregularities. Our main offering is something called the AI Auditor, which is essentially a system which almost anybody who works in finance can use and which will analyze you know, transactions, ledgers, look for unusual circumstances, and essentially focus the human auditor uh, using an AI auditor on where the problems are and what they, what they should do. So it's a very exciting time for us as a company because we're seeing a great adoption, a huge amount of interest in the finance world for what we do. I can imagine. But, well, before I say I, I can imagine, what, what do you believe is the big problem? What is, what is broken in the finance, in the, in the, yeah, in the, in the financials, financial industry? It's a great question. And it's actually, this is um, the, the kind of the story of me joining Joining Mindbridge is I, I met uh, two gentlemen, Ellie Fathy and Solon Angel. They invited me to go and have coffee with them one day. And they described to me this problem that they had, had seen. And it was essentially that the existing ways that people were analyzing or auditing financial transactions were inadequate. So typically they, were, they would use rules-based systems to do this. So you know, if you see this, then it might be a higher risk. Or they were using an approach called sampling, where they would take a very small number of transactions and essentially go and deep dive on those to see if there were any problems. And the issue with those approaches, there's a couple of issues with them. So with the rules-based system, you're only going to catch something, you're only going to find something that you anticipate. So you have to imagine the circumstance to find the rule and then it will work. It will never find anything you don't anticipate. And then in this world where, you know, if you take like fraudsters as an example, fraudsters are actually quite smart people usually. They, they look for ways around the mechanisms that are used to contain them. And they always look for something that's not a part of an existing mechanism or existing rule. So the fundamental kind of rules-based systems were always going to leave, they were always going to struggle to find things from a, a sufficiently a sophisticated adversary. The other aspect was sampling, which was very 
it's still very common, but it's the predominant way that auditors look at the finances of a company. And it, it's a human way of solving the problem that there's too much data. It's the human way of solving big data. You take a small sample. So we were looking, we looked at that problem and we said, well, maybe there's a better way. First of all, we have big data capabilities. Yeah. We should look at everything. Let's look at everything is, is, is the first realization. But the second thing is, let's also use artificial intelligence, machine learning techniques, and apply them to that data so that we can capture all of the unusual circumstances and not be susceptible to these kind of rules-based systems where you have to, everything has to be anticipated beforehand. So that was really the fundamental premise. And we chose this problem because we think it's a significant problem in the world. There's an, a group called the ACFE, the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, and they estimate the amount of fraud, misconduct, irregularities that are caught each year. And they, they say that that's about $200 billion a year. But they also estimate the amount we don't find. So these are, they're not detected by any method we have today. And that amount is about it's somewhere north of $3 trillion per year. So if you put that, just to put that number in perspective, that's about a little under $500 for every person on the planet. Imagine if you could go under the, under the surface, find things that aren't being found and return that value to the economy. It would make a huge difference. So that was kind of, that was the problem that we thought was important and it's what we've been trying to solve. And incidentally, when we started this process, there was a lot of people saying, no, that's not necessary. That's not the standards. That's not how we work. But today, this is two, two years later, everybody's saying this is how it needs to be. And so we've kind of, we've arrived at the right time in the market and we have, we're, we're in Mindbridge as an organization is we have some very notable adopters of our technology. We have quite a large percentage of the top 100 audit firms who are leveraging our, our product. Yeah, amazing numbers. I mean, if you turn it around as well, I mean, you could typically say that for every dollar that you find, you don't find 15, 15 others. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, with, that's, that's the pre-Mindbridge, pre though. So ho exactly, hopefully, yeah. we're, hopefully we're changing that. Yeah, I can imagine that you, uh, that you jump on this problem because this, this is a, a huge problem that everybody has. And I think the problem is just getting worse because of technology. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. It's because, you know, if you look at all of the automation that's happening in payments and you know, things like blockchain are going to create even more, even more transaction logs, everything to do with the internet of things and all these things are creating more information and it's typically there's a lot of transactional stuff that, that that goes through those kind of systems and so the data problem is just getting worse so really this idea of sampling or rules if we didn't address it it you know it is going to get worse wow so in creating your solution so how long has the solution been around Mindbridge started about three years ago. We've been, we spent the first, a little, bit, little over the first year kind of building our platform and our technology. We've been in market for 17 months, something like that. We have 200 clients and about a, over, over one third of the top 100 auditors in North America are using Mindbridge. That's going fast. I mean, that's also where you can see that you've hit something that's really important because the, uh, yeah, the yeah, curve I, is, is, is steep. Yeah, and I think, I think we really, we struck, I think it was an unmet need. And the other thing is, I don't think human beings enjoy looking through huge numbers of transactions with, and, and being super detail-oriented, you know, just because it's not a very human activity. So having a machine do the grinding bit, the bit that's actually, it's not fun. Having a machine do that, I think is, it really resonates with, with people. Yeah, that's true. So how do you believe that 
I mean, my podcast is really all about, you know, what can we do to, to bring people and technology together to create yeah, outcomes that are bigger than, than the sum of its components, like one plus one equals three or more. How do you believe it, that, the, what is the people element adding here? Is that adding something significant? Yeah, it is. And actually, we, I'll tell you a little bit about our journey because what we discovered very, very early on was the people that we are trying to serve are not technical experts. They're not data scientists. They're not analytic experts necessarily. You know, they went to university, but they studied finance and accounting. So enabling them to use an AI technology was something which we really, we really had to understand how they thought. And we had to figure out how we could make an AI that would speak to them so they would understand the outcomes. So we've kind of had a mantra from the very beginning about the need for explainable, explainable AI, the need for an AI to, to be able to explain its understanding of a circumstance or a situation in sufficient detail that a human being could understand it and know what to do, know, know what action they, sh- they, they could take. And this is particularly true in the world of auditing because auditors are professionals. They actually can be called into a courtroom and asked to defend their actions, their decisions. So you're know, having a situation where, oh, the computer told me to do this and I didn't really understand it, that would ne- never be acceptable. And the other thing is auditors are trained to be skeptical. They actually, it's a part of what they, they need to do in their job. So having a black box is something that you, you know, just doesn't work in that industry or in that environment. True. So we, we really had to work hard at thinking about how to make this. And I talk about it as being a human-centric AI. This is, we really had to think about how we did, how do we connect our products AI capabilities to the human auditor to augment their abilities. So the other thing is we, our statement is that we are not replacing auditors because you need a person to do the higher level understanding of the business context and, and also to be talking to the client. People, people don't, you know, there's great value in the fact that we have auditors looking at, at company finances. So you, you need to have that human element there, but you want them to be augmented by the AI so we see the human element as being a, a huge part of, first of all, how we've designed our product, but also you know, the primary decision maker in the system. The AI is, is essentially analyzing this, you know, mountains of data and bringing to the attention of the AI auditor all the things that are considered unusual. But you need an extra level of human judgment to say, is this an issue that we need to follow up on? And I think most of the auditing practices to date have been all about you're doing, doing something like this, a sample, verifying a sample and saying, well, we haven't found anything, so we think it's good. Yeah. It was a, a probabilistic decision. We think it's mostly good. But you very often missed things in that scenario. I mean, and the news stories kind of bear that out as well. If you go and open a newspaper, you will find a, you know, some big scandal where you know, revenue is misreported or something like that. And it, it impacts people's lives when that happens. So we see the kind of huge value in connecting human auditor to AI auditor. And the statement that we have is that our AI auditor is not replacing human auditors. But what we believe is that human auditors using AI will replace auditors who don't because it makes them more efficient. It makes them able to perform a better service for their clients and so forth. So the human element we think is really important. And from my own personal perspective, I think there's a huge amount of value in, in people working with AI technologies. And I think we're only just scratching the surface of that yeah. today. And I would say that even at Mindbridge, we're scratching the surface of it. There's, there's lots of evidence that 
people working along AIs are going to be much more effective at doing their jobs, but it also can provide insights that we would not find otherwise. I really like the example of AlphaGo. You know, AlphaGo was the technology that was created by uh, DeepMind, and it played Lisa Doll, the game of Go. And in the matches, you know, the whole world watched these matches of Go where you know, they're placing the, these uh, little pieces on a board. And there were moves in the game between AlphaGo and Lucidol where people didn't understand. This, uh, there was a very unconventional move that was made. It's called Move 37 or something. Uh-huh. And people had never seen a move like this before. They didn't think it made sense. They thought it was an error. They thought the machine had made an error. But it turned out it was one of the reasons that AlphaGo won the game. And I think one of the quotes from a different Go player was, after the match was, Go is not as simple as we first thought. There's still huge room for we humans to explore. And you think about that, that's a game that people have played for over 2,000 years. And a machine taught the world that there was a slightly different strategy, a different way of playing it that we hadn't realized. So... I think those kind of insights coming out of work, I expect there to be lots of insights like that that will come out of this kind of AI-human collaboration. And at MindBridge, we have this practice where we, we actually talk about human-centric AI is our purpose. That's a good purpose to have, and I like it. But that's uh, preaching to, to the converted. So from a development perspective, what, were, what do you believe were the one, two, three things that, that you did very, very right. I mean, the, the things that made a difference to, to deliver this impact. That's a really good question. I think one of the most important things we did was we actually spent a lot of time with human auditors to understand them. I mean, I'm a software engineer, as I mentioned earlier. And I see this huge value in connecting quite closely with who your target audience is and also understanding how they think about their role and how they think about their, their job. So, and this actually it helped us enormously to understand how to add value to what they were doing. Yeah. Everything in our MindBridge system is called a control point. And we have a control point which is designed specifically to capture what auditors are interested in. And one of the ways that we built that was by working very closely with auditors to say, okay, what are you looking for? When you're, let's say you're looking at a transaction with your eyes, what are the things that would be indicators to you that this is a problem? And just to to get that kind of understanding of the user, I think was one of the most important things that we did early on. I think some, some of the other things were not paying too much attention to the conventions as well, because I think this AI disruption is going to come to many different industries. And I don't think disruption comes if you look at conventions or existing standards or ways of thinking. And I think we chose specifically to, to think about ourselves as that we, we will have to be disruptive to be successful. So yes, whilst we are going to empathize with our target users, we need to think about this in a different way. So I'll give you an example of, of that. You know, we read, our, yeah, and our data scientists, we read the audit standards. And there's a sentence in there somewhere that says, the auditor should look for unusual transactions. And you know, I remember uh, you know, data scientists all kind of looking at each other saying, how do they do that? And it turns out they, they use their eyes. They would, look, they would look for unusual transactions with their eyes. And it's like, well, wait a minute can we make a machine that does that? And we said, yes, we can. So it's like we took the understanding of the industry, the existing, what they were expected to do on a sample, and we just scaled it up. And we said, okay, we're going to make a machine do this on everything. So I think you know, maintaining disruption as, as one of your purposes, I think is an important thing. 
but finding a way to empathize with the users that you're going to be serving in the end. And I think those two things were probably the most important things that we did at the outset. Why is it? Well, these are absolutely good pieces of advice. So what have you learned in selling this? I mean, was it easy from the first day off to sell this? Or had you go, was education, for example, very important or or getting over the skepticism? I think to begin with, it's very difficult. And it's because, and I think particularly the the market that we are in is relatively conservative. They typically are, as an industry, they change quite slowly. And usually the largest amount of change usually comes from big scandals cause new legislation, as an example, and then they change. So we were trying to engineer this change. We were trying to cause this change at this same kind of amount of change that a big scandal would cause, but do it without the scandal happening. So that was kind of hard. And to begin with, we got a lot of, we kind of got a little bit dismissed, like, yeah, you're building an AI. Yeah, we don't think that's reasonable or or possible or or whatever the, the reason was. But we were very persistent. We just, we kept on saying what we were saying and we shared our ideas. That's the other thing. We shared our ideas fairly broadly about what we were trying to do. And over time, people started to say the same things that we were saying. We think that, you know, using data and analytics in audit is a good thing. And over time, people were saying using AI in audit is a good thing. And the moment that we knew that we had had a good impact was when some of the really large audit firms saying, we believe in this. Because the interesting thing is that they are usually early adopters. They're looking for an advantage that they can have over their competitors, all of that. And the moment we kind of heard our story coming back from them, it was like, okay, everybody's saying this. And, and really that, that meant that we stopped having to sell the fundamental premise. And we started then talking about all the practicalities of how we can help them. And at that point, things went very fast. So I think it, it was very hard to start with. It was a journey. We had to be persistent. But at this stage, so that, and that was, I guess, the early stage you can call evangelism in a way. But now we also have education becomes a big part of it. So, for example, we also, when people use our product, they, they tend to try it first. They're, again, people are still skeptical. They're, they're, you know, they're trained to be skeptical, in fact. So they're skeptical. They want to try it. And then they'll try a bit more and then they'll try and then they'll standardize on it. Yeah. So what we've discovered is that very successful way of us engaging with, with new clients is to say, we don't give away, we used to give away free trials. We've actually stopped that, but you can try it and you can, you can use it on three audits and here's, here's the price for doing that. But also here's training that we will package with that first three where we're going to help you get started. We're going to help you get the right data in, get the right data from your clients. We're going to help you through these steps. And the idea of that is that we make them self-sufficient sure. in using the technology. We've created a program which allows people to very easily go through this adoption process. The other thing that we've done is we have something called that we call the MindBridge University program, where we actually reached out to academic institutions who are teaching accounting and finance. And we're offering them the technology to use as a training tool or an educational tool and i think we have 37 academic institutions in north america who are currently using mindbridge in that kind of respect and there was quite a lot of effort we had to put into that because we had to create data sets we had to plant fraud and other things and bad accounting practice in the data sets 
and work with the academics to create a kind of solid program around it. We don't tell the institutions what to teach or anything like that. We just provide the technology and we provide these kind of training sets and they can decide how they want to communicate on this. They can decide how they want to structure their course. But, and again, so in the last year, we've gone from having one university to having 37 universities using it. And the nice thing about that is that we're producing future people who are joining the, the auditing profession who already have the skills that they need for the future. That's a very, very important thing because education needs to become different. You don't need to understand or you, or you don't need to understand what auditing is, but you don't need to, do, to physically do it. You need to understand what you can do with, with the results that are coming out and how can you then start to prevent it. Yeah, ex- exactly. It becomes a more human, higher cognitive task yeah. and a more human task. And I tell a story about a, a very good friend of mine. He was actually the best man at my wedding and he went into audit. He studied marine bi- biology at university, but then he became an auditor. And I always thought it was an interesting career move. And I remember one time he told me about a situation where he was doing an inventory audit and he had to go to a warehouse to count nails. And at that point, I was thinking, is that a good use of your time? And, you know, obviously they would learn the higher functioning aspect of business management and they would learn about what to look for from an accounting standards approach. But there were all of these mundane tasks they had to do as well at the same time. So I don't think anybody will miss, will miss them. And I think, yeah, you know, they're going to enjoy their jobs more because they're leveraging AI. Yeah, I had an interview uh, on the podcast with uh, Vinnie Merchandani, an ex uh, Gardner analyst, and he uh, he wrote a book about this as well. And he calls it the, the three Ds: the dull, the dangerous, and the and the, the dirty jobs. And <laughs> this is typically an example of the dull job. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you most proud of uh, that if, that the solution has achieved so far, or what your customers have achieved so far? There, every so often, we have this insight that comes out, and it's usually from our clients, and they tell us. Often, we're not allowed to know exactly what they have found because of confidentiality. <laughs> but they will tell us anecdotally the value that they received and what we were able to help them with. And so, and we kind of collect these stories. There are often very specific little stories about, you know, when they were doing something and they discovered this and the thing that they discover is exactly our purpose. It's to find irregularities in financial data. So the other thing is we would never have found this without you. So yeah, yeah. this is the, those are the points. Those are the, and they're, you know, they happen regularly, but there's these little points of these glimmers of, you see the future in these glimmers where, where we see that AI will be used pervasively for this role. And I find that is one of the most exciting things. And I, I remember one of our early, very early on customers, I was walking to a meeting with them and we were, they, they hadn't decided to proceed with, to work with us. And I remember my colleague saying he was very nervous about the meeting because he didn't know what was going to happen in it. They just told the customer just told us they wanted to meet with us. So he was very nervous as we were going in and we sat down and the first thing that they said was, you have to tell more people about this. And you have to tell more people about this because, and then they told us one of these stories. And, you know, it was like we're walking out of that meeting and they just said, okay, we need to, they were essentially wanting to expand their usage, obviously, of our technology. And it was, it was, that was one of these moments where you think we are, you were trying to solve a problem that matters. And that was one of these kind of points where, you know, we are seeing it happening. So that's the kind of thing that makes me proud. I can imagine. That's what you want to see if you're you're putting your day, day to day effort in it. So from everything that you've learned so far and what you've seen while well, talking to customers, convincing customers, what would you advise a CEO or a CFO to, to do different 
I think that one of the most important things that a CEO can do is that they can encourage their teams to be looking for opportunities to leverage AI across the activities that they do. So not just in the audit world, I think that I think AI is coming to almost every part of commerce and in almost every part of people's people's lives even. And I think CEOs that are leveraging data to help them make decisions, CEOs that are encouraging their staff to do the same, and who are looking for how, you know, this is one of the sayings I've heard, the best way to not be disrupted by a technology is to be the one who, dis- who, who disrupts. So look for a way of, and this is, you know, the other quote I've heard is, if you're worried about an AI coming and replacing your job, be a part of creating the AI that, that replaces the thing that you don't like doing so that you can move and do the thing that you do like doing. I think that mindset is very important and it needs to come from the top of an organization. But then again, it, it needs to, the grassroots to bring it to, to scale. Yes. And in, everybody in, is responsible for their own job in order to make, to, well, to evolve that job into a future where, where you can deliver more impact. Yeah, exactly. And this is kind of one of the warning signs to, to CEOs is one of the statements I read recently was that the membership of the S&P 500 is going to change in the next 30 years. Like every day a company drops out of that list and a new company arrives. And I don't know if that's a true fact, but that was what the article says. But they observed that the organizations that were having the biggest impact and the ones that were growing fastest and the ones that were everybody is looking at and thinking, how are they doing that? They're the likes of Amazon or Apple or Google. They've all figured out how to leverage data in their day-to-day and they do it very expertly. So I think that's kind of a lesson to others is that by the way, when I say leveraging data, typically I mean using AI because there's too much information these days. So you, you need to leverage AI. So companies who are figuring out how to do that are causing disruptions on those who aren't. And I think that's the call to action to CEOs is to think about how you make your organization data ready, how you make your organization AI ready. Very good advice. So if there's anything you could ask the audience, what would it be? How can they help you? I think the biggest worry I have is people who are believing science fiction and fearing artificial intelligence. So, and it's this, you know, you, you look at, you know, people, people talk about the AI apocalypse or, uh, you know, artificial intelligence is coming for their jobs or something like that. I think that's a very negative perspective and it causes people to not engage. True. And if the one thing I would ask is for people to engage, to go and find out how AI can make their lives better. And as I talk about human-centric AI, this is one of the statements on, on human-centric AI is it only works if humans remain at the center of it. And this means human beings have to engage with it. And you know, I think it's exciting to think about you know, what we can learn by working with AI. And for this reason, I would say, you know, don't kind of fear it to the point where you ignore it. You know, look, for the, look for how you can use it, engage with it, enjoy it as well. You know, I have a I enjoy using my, my kids love the uh, little Alexa thing that's on my kitchen counter and they ask it to play music for them. They, you know, there is delight in these things as well. Exactly. I completely agree with you. That's also why I started a tribe that's exactly kind of making that possible so that people can join and and have the discussion with their peers around it. Yeah. Very good. So where can people go and find out more about MindBridge or say hello to you? I'm 
on Twitter, Robin Grosset, just at Robin Grosset. should be fairly easy, easy to find. Also, MindBridge is mindbridge.ai. So you can, you can go to our website and read about us. Very good. Well, thank you very much. This was very insightful. And I, I like your, your views around what, how this is important and why this is important to engage. So keep spreading that word. Thank you very much. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Same on my side. Thank you very much. And for everybody that's listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Robin Grosset, CTO at MindBridge AI. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So, with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in, and you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come through. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, 